We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm with Jason Pat. Jason, what's going on? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm about ready for this also break to come up here. You know, now that the Chicago Bulls are one of the five best offensive oh, teams man. in the NBA over this recent stretch of games, I think that, uh, you know, everything's looking up for this organization finally. Oh, yeah. They're turning everything around. Otto Porter Jr., the missing piece. The Bulls are definitely a high-flying offensive machine now. They're definitely going to be amazing next year going to the playoffs. Totally right. Right? Everything's fixed, Jason. Everything's all good. No, but uh, the Bulls coming off another loss last night at home against Milwaukee. Bulls falling 112 to 99 in a game that looked like the Bucks just totally mailed in. The Bulls were around late in the fourth quarter in that one. Uh, but besides for Giannis just basically running up and down the floor and dunking at will. Uh, the rest of the Bucks just weren't that good. That's the Bulls' second straight loss. It comes off the back of the revenge game of Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis. That was on Saturday when Jabari was just dunking the hell oh out of it. Oh, my God. That was, inc- that was crazy. First seven makes. So this was his first seven baskets in that game were dunks for Jabari. Uh, he looked really spry getting up and down the court. It, it kind of just confirmed to me just how out of shape he came into the season originally, which – should be totally unacceptable, especially for a free agent, uh, you know, coming into a new team, trying to prove himself at, at that point in his career. It's it's too bad because the player Jabari Parker is right now, while still like deeply flawed and probably tough to win with, uh, he's just definitely a better player than he was when the Bulls originally signed him. I think that, you know, he proved that in his game against the Bulls on Saturday. He looked pretty good for Washington. It'll be fun to watch. Bobby and Jabari uh, as they go on with the Wizards, and we can talk about that a little bit more later. And then Friday, the Bulls played arguably, you know, one of their best games of the year, beating the Nets 125-106. So these are the first three games the Bulls have played with Otto Porter Jr. Otto Porter coming to the Bulls in the deadline deal with the Wizards for Portis and Parker. Uh, Three games for Otto so far, uh, you know, He's definitely had some some nice moments. He's been shooting the ball pretty well from three. He was four for five against Brooklyn in his debut, two for five against Washington from three, uh, two for four against Milwaukee from three. So, uh, you know, he's putting up 18 points in his first three games. What do you think of Porter so far? And I guess just what are your initial impressions of him, Jason? Uh, I think offensively, it's kind of been what you expected. Just like really solid, like nothing flashy, but he's, like you said, he's been shooting the ball really well. Like that Brooklyn game, like the the whole offense was just on fire that game. Like basically everybody played really well in that game against, uh, on the road against a really, a really good, uh, not really good, but the Nets are a solid team this year. The Nets, I think they'd beaten them like three other times and they blew them out. I put up 125 points. They won by almost 20. And Porter just really just we and we talked about this after they traded for him. Just a solid player, not going to put up huge numbers, but guy who st- stretches the floor really opens thing up, open things up for the offense. A versatile player. We've kind of we we've saw against the Bucks that Boylan was using him at center, which I wouldn't really suggest doing all the time, but or really probably ever. But I guess with Cristiano Felicio not being a good matchup for the for the Bucks, uh, 
five out offense at times when uh, Lopez is out he Boylan wanted to go super small but Porter can play the three can play the four I guess if you really want to go small at times he can play the five occasionally but just in general really solid offensively defensively he's been okay there have been some times where he's gotten blown past on, on drive and stuff so he hasn't been like a lockdown defender but in general I just I think he's really helped the offense I know after after last night's Bucks game I looked up uh, just like some on off quick on off stats small sample size here obviously but Bulls have something like a 115-0 rating and Porter's um, like 100-some minutes so far. So just, just really good. You can just tell like the, the, just the spacing in general has just looked a lot better and just having another guy who can really stretch the floor and is a threat because when before when you had when you had like Chandler Hutchinson out there or, even, or whoever else even playing at small forward, like these guys don't, don't really – they don't respect their outside shot. So, But with Porter – you have to respect his three-point shooting, so it just really helps open up the offense for everybody else. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, to me, he he hasn't looked very good defensively at all. Like, he looks, like, stiff in his hips, which is one thing that worried me when they acquired him because he has had hip injuries Injury. dating back to his rookie year. Uh, they flared up again this season. Now, it hasn't prevented Otto Porter from being, you know, one of the better small forwards in the NBA each of the last couple of years, you look at the RPM numbers two years ago, he was fourth among small forwards in real plus minus the three guys ahead of him, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. So that tells you all you need to know. Last year, he was actually ahead of LeBron and Durant. Uh, he was second in real plus minus among small forwards, only behind Robert Covington. This year, you look at the numbers and he's down at 15th. He's still having a pretty big impact offensively, but defensively is where he slipped in those ratings. I think the eye test backs that up. Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't look like, you know, this rangy multi-positional defender that he was earlier in his career. To me, that's going to be the ultimate test of the Porter trade. Uh, if he is compromised defensively in terms of, you know, his fluidity and his motion, uh, suddenly I think, you know, that contract does look pretty outrageous if you're only getting sort of, uh, an offensive player who's efficient and effective, but within sort of the, a narrow scope of the game. So, uh, Porter definitely needs to bring it defensively. I'm not too worried yet. In fact, I'm, I'm really encouraged by his first few games with the Bulls because, you know, you just see the impact he has, uh, with this roster to me, Porter's one of those guys who would help out literally any team in the league. Like hypothetically, yeah. if the bulls get Zion and they become the Zion show, you know, a year from now, Porter would be great there because he's just going to be able to give you more length defensively and spot up uh, on the perimeter. And I, re- I think he has like a good sense of spacing too. There are a couple times uh, in his first three games with the bulls where like off an offensive rebound, He's just spacing the floor properly, and he's been able to get some open looks because of that from three. Uh, Levine has even credited him. He's saying, you know, Porter doesn't even know the plays yet, but uh, before defenses were, like, loading up on the elbow, so it was hard for Levine to drive. Now he has some more space out there. So I think Porter's been really good. Uh, another thing Porter, or another thing Levine said about Porter is that he thinks he didn't get to show everything he could do in Washington. Obviously, during Porter's, you know, last few years with the Wizards, John Wall was at the controls there, and him and Beal dominated so much of the offense. Wizards fans, for a time, really wanted to see a, what a more empowered version of Otto Porter would look like. I really hope he gets that opportunity with the Bulls because. Uh, you know, that's what the rest of this year should really be about. We know what's going to happen when Levine and Dunn are at the controls. I'd like to see a little bit more of Porter in a playmaking role, which I think he's done uh, decently up to this point. He had four assists against the Bucks last last night, had a couple against Washington. So I've been really encouraged with him uh, this far. I just hope that he gets back to where he was defensively when he was one of the better defensive swingmen in the league. Yeah, you mentioned the playmaking stuff. We definitely did see that yesterday. I mentioned how he, they had him playing like center for a bit on that second unit, which the second unit was not good. But like when you're backup point guards or whatever, it's like Shaq Harrison and Ryan Archdiacono, you might as well give Porter a chance because I'm pretty sure that there were times from what I recall that uh, Levine, Dunn, and Lowry, I think, were not on the floor. Even if Lowry's on the floor as well, like 
And if Levine and Dunn are both out, you might as well give Porter those opportunities. And even when uh, when he had a point as well where even when Robin Lopez was playing center, the him and Lopez were working some pick and roll. Lopez setting setting some big screens up top and high pick and roll and Porter doing some, some stuff off dribble and doing some playmaking. That was nice to see because that's one of the things like you talked about. He really didn't hasn't done that much. We really haven't seen him in that much of a creator role in the past. It definitely is worthwhile giving him a chance to see if he does have that extra extra juice to his game because that would really help because I don't think he'll ever be like a ball dominant like scorer guy but if he can at least have just be a, a second or whatever a tertiary playmaker playmaker old small forward that obviously be really huge for the offense in terms of your defensive concerns totally agree I know uh, Stefano who we always reference here is, was was really pointing out uh recently just some of the times where he, he would get blown by and you mentioned he's kind of stiff not able to guard one-on-one getting beat there I do. I'm not like I said. I'm not totally concerned about that yet. I just feel like the Bulls in general are terrible defensively, or they are are in the season. Like it has been really bad. Like I hope next year. I think will be something really interesting to watch. If he can maybe get healthier over the summer, if he comes back fully healthy, more committed to the defensive end, hopefully we see more of that uh, on defense. Yeah, I really like Porter in general, though. And you know, the more time passes, yeah. the more I'm just like wildly in favor of this trade. Like obviously, not a perfect player. Uh, someone made the point on Twitter, it might've been Kevin Farrigan, uh, you know, reading an article from someone else that he's more of like a last piece than one of your first pieces. I think Zach Lowe said, and I think Zach Lowe and like Kevin Pelton both were commenting about that, like how he maybe not be able to like ra- really raise like a team that's good, but like, oh, that's really good. But like, or a team, that, a team that's bad. He's not going to like bring a bad team up to like being like really good, but like as like, a good team, he can help put them over the top, I guess, because he can just do a lot of stuff pretty well, even if he's not like super great at everything and anything. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, too, who knows where the Bulls will be a year from now. I think after the embarrassment yeah. that has been this season, you're looking at an off season where they're going to get a high draft pick. If they don't get Zion, I think they're probably going to try to make some noise in free agency. They have about what, 18, 19 million dollars left to work yeah. with this summer. That could mean a playmaking point guard like Ricky Rubio, uh, who knows? It could mean D Rose. It could mean you know any any number of different options the Bulls have in front of them in free agency. But the more talent you add to the mix, I think the better Porter is going to look. And then remember that deal is going to be a really big expiring deal, uh, you know, into yeah. next season, the year after that. So I always think they can flip him too. Like you look at all the superstar movement, or all just the movement in general. Uh, in the NBA these days, like the trade deadline never used to be like this, man. What were there? 57 trades made, you know, the week of the deadline. I think that was an NBA record. So I can't remember what the actual number was, but there was, I think it's, it was like the most trades in a really long time. I know there were like maybe 14, 50, something in the teens, like on deadline day itself. And there was obviously some real big ones, just a lot of movement because teams are feeling like they can go for it. Teams looking for shakeups, like whatever. It's definitely a lot of movement with, more players like trying to take situations in their own hands, trying to change spots, like movement all over the place. Yeah. So I think, you know, in that type of world that we live in now, like no one's going to say, no one should be saying like Otto Porter's definitely going to be the small forward of the future. Otto Porter's definitely going to be here the next time the Bulls are competing for the playoffs. Maybe he will be, but I think just in general, like he's the type of guy who would just help basically any team uh, with his skill set, we'll see if he has anything more left uh, within him, too, because, you know, the Bulls should give him some more opportunities to attack a little bit. Uh, they should give him the opportunities to create, to pass. So I'm really excited about Porter. And to me, he just makes the Bulls so much more watchable. Now, you couple that with the way they've been playing uh, recently since they got him, Boylan finally letting him move up and down a little bit. The Bulls playing to their strengths, letting him attack and transition. Uh, it's just been a much more watchable product since Otto Porter arrived. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Even I mean, the game they lost to the Wizards, the defense was terrible, but they were getting buckets, and they're putting. I mean, just they're clearly making more of an effort to uh, push the ball up and down the court. Uh, whether it's Levine, whether it's I mean, Lowry's been pushing the ball up and the court, down the court. And I, well, let's transition from Otto now to Lowry, who has been who has looked. He, he had a rough game against the Bucks, at least shooting wise. He was six of twenty one, but he still had twenty and seventeen, had three assists as well, and a couple blocks. Uh, but before that, just lighting, lighting it up. Uh, the Wizards gave me a 20, 11 and four. The assist is, is a really nice touch there. He shot nine of 17 and that Brooklyn game. He had 31 and 18 on 11 of 18 shooting. Uh, the new Orleans game. He had 30 and 10 on 10 of 19 shooting the Hornets game. 
Uh, he had 30 and nine. So he, three, three straight 30 point games to start, start the month. Uh, 20, uh, 20 point double doubles the last couple of games, even against the Bucks. He was really aggressive. He missed a bunch of bunnies around the rim. He got stuffed at the rim twice by Brooke Lopez and once by uh, Giannis was in there as well. And Giannis made him look pretty bad on a few occasions, but Giannis makes everybody look bad. Just side note, watching Giannis is just like an, exp- just an incredible experience. Just absolutely incredible player. Just dominating, imposing as well in the game. But Lowry, Lowry took the challenge. I believe Boylan said that Lowry asked to guard him. And while it didn't go well, like Giannis is a freak. He does that to everybody. I, I just like the aggressiveness that he's shown lately and just some of the different stuff he's do, been doing offensively. There was a play uh, in the game yesterday where he caught the ball outside three-point line, pump fake with Giannis on him, pump fake, drove around Giannis, and then finished a nifty finish off the dribble over Brooke Lopez. And just we've been seeing the aggressiveness driving to the basket. He's been shooting a but he's been shooting threes like as usual. He can get into the free throw line a bit more. The playmaking, just like it seems like he's completely unlocked his offense, like uh, the all-around offensive game that we've been looking for. Because he did struggle a bit coming off that injury, but now we're just kind of seeing starting to see the whole package there. And I think that that's something that Bulls fans should get really excited about. I had a I had a Finnish fan email me. Uh, I'm not sure how to say this name, so I'm sorry. Ju, Juha Olila emailed me f- from fin- Finland, home of Larry Markin, just asking us to talk about what we think Markinen's floor is, where we think his ceiling is, where does he need to get better. And I think we've seen lately some of the stuff that he has been getting better at in terms of just playmaking, getting to the free throw line, aggressiveness off the dribble. So what what have you made of some of the stuff that we've seen from Lowry lately? And even Boylan letting him do a bit more in terms of handling the ball, bringing the ball up. Yeah, court. the way Boylan was using him since Boylan took over, uh, which coincides, what, Markkinen played one game under Hoiberg uh, before Hoiberg was fired. The way Boylan was yeah. using him was completely ridiculous. I mean, they were f- dumping him the ball in the post. Uh, they It seemed like they wanted to establish him as more of a traditional big man than the type that thrives in today's game. And that's Lowry's skill set. So, you know, you look at his stats in Je- in December and then in January, and it wasn't very encouraging. He shot 42% from the field in both of those months. Uh, he only averaged one assist per game in both of those months. So while he was scoring the basketball a little bit, he wasn't getting to the foul line. That was only happening two and a half times a game. He wasn't blocking any shots. He wasn't making anyone around him better. That has all started to change over the last five games since the calendar flipped to February. Uh, You saw in the game against the Nets, he had two great stuffs in the first quarter against Shabazz Napier, where in the first one, he just totally rejected him. It looked like he was playing basketball with like a 12-year-old. So I like seeing that from him. I think, you know, making some of those big plays defensively can get his confidence up on that end. Also, finally started getting to the free throw line. Six attempts per game on the month uh, from the foul line. That was mostly lifted by a Charlotte game where he went 13 for 13. But he was attacking against the Bucks too. Got to the line seven times, made all seven. That was on a night where his three-pointer wasn't falling. He was only one for seven uh, from three against Milwaukee. But uh, I think Markinen has looked really good. I love how aggressive he is going to the basket. Now, there, yeah. was, a t- there was a sequence in the Bucks game on Monday where... I think him and Levine were running the floor. Levine hits Lowry with the bounce pass. Lowry goes up to slam it, and Brooke Lopez rejects him. They oh, get yeah. the offensive rebound, and then Giannis packs him. So he got blocked twice uh, on the same possession. What I like, though, is that Lowry didn't seem to be too deterred by it. I mean, he's going to keep attacking. He runs the floor really hard in transition, even though you don't think of him as you know the most athletic guy on the team, but... Uh, you know, and you got to be encouraged by the 17 rebounds too. Lowry's a tough dude, man. He's mixing it up. I like him quite a bit long term, and he, he's good right now. There's no doubt. I think that he's only going to get better as the Bulls continue to add more pieces. Uh, you know, the more the more Lowry we can see as a ball handler, I think the better. Uh, he looks so comfortable putting the ball on the floor, taking two or three dribbles to get to the basket. He can either hit you with a fadeaway from there. Uh, he'll try to dunk on you. You can try to contort his body to finish at the rim. So, you know, the whole goal for Markkanen is that you know he's a great catch-and-shoot guy. It's all about diversifying his offensive game from there, right? And then, you know, long-term, it's going to be how does he play off Carter because I think a lot of teams would take someone like Markkanen and make him a five defensively and then try to surround him with really good long ball pressure defenders and another like weak side shot blocker, some good rebounders Uh, with Carter being the only other 
definite building block for this team moving forward. Markkanen's going to have to play the four. So that's really one of the biggest shames of this season is that we don't get to see those two guys play off each other towards the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see some Markkanen at the five while Carter's sideline. We have, and we have seen oh, it a little bit. It's a, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, they have him doing some five out there with uh, smaller lineups and Lowry at the five. And I, I have not looked at the numbers yet exactly, but I'm pretty sure that they've been kind of, they've been kind of torching it. I mean, just in general, the offense has looked much better. And I think we have kind of seen some of that. I mean, I mean because especially now with Porter, if you play Porter at the four uh, and you have Lowry at the five and then you have like Levine, maybe like a guy like Wayne Selden, who's been pretty solid. Like that's a pretty, pretty uh, interesting offensive lineup. I, the defense ha- like, has been problematic. They definitely do need upgrades there to help defensively if Lowry would play a lot of the five. But there definitely has been some good signs there in terms of just that five-out offense and having him play the five. At least, like, like, at least I think Lowry can be an all-star. Uh, you know, multiple times. Oh, yeah. Though. I mean, I mean, you just look at the numbers. Yeah, yeah. You look at the numbers right now. I mean, the last five games, he's putting up 26 and 13. Like, even on the season, even with his slow start, he's putting up 18 and 9 is – True shooting percentage is like 56-57, which is a little above league average, I believe, or at least right around there. And this is after just obviously a huge setback with with the elbow injury. but he's And he's finally starting to, to take uh, get in the groove. And with the Eastern Conference not being the strongest, I know that there have been obviously some bigger trades to get guys over in the East lately, but I, mean, I definitely think he has all-star potential. I don't like in terms of like, can he be the number one guy in a title team? I still have to see a lot more for that. Can he be like top 10, top 20 player? I need to see a bit more than that, but like definitely, I feel like I feel like All Stars a definite something that he definitely could be. Maybe even as soon as next season or in the next two seasons, I don't think. Yeah, that's and that's got to be the hope for the Bulls. It's like they still need one offensive initiator, one creator uh, to like lift everyone else up around them. I think we've been talking yeah. about that all year, but. Uh, Markkinen is a really good piece, and it feels like we haven't talked about him enough this year, in part because Boylan was using him in an idiotic way, in part because you know he was hurt at the beginning of the season, and the Bulls have just been such a damn train wreck uh, ever since Boylan took over. But it's a shame we didn't get to see Markkinen in a second full year under Hoiberg. I think that that would have been beneficial for him. Uh, but, you know, moving forward, it's not like he's really stagnated. He just hasn't made that sophomore leap, I think, that, you know, we expect guys who have good rookie years to make. But you look around the league, like Jason Tatum's been worse than he was last year. I feel like Mitchell's, Donovan Mitchell's been a little down uh, in Utah. So it's like yeah. development in general isn't always going to be linear. You look at a lot of the other sophomores this year. Darren Fox is the one guy who has notably taken a big step up. Uh, but, like, Lonzo hasn't been very good. Josh Jackson looks bad. Uh, Dennis Smith's already on his second team. So I think, you know, Lowry was a great pick. And if we're looking for reasons to be optimistic about the Bulls moving forward, I feel like it begins and ends with him and Carter. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because you mentioned you mentioned just, like, that whole – and we'll talk about this more later. We're going to take some uh, – listener questions about the whole just like they need a high level creator and I think we saw again last night the Bulls often struggled a bit and when Lowry was off like Levine had a nice game but Chris Dunn was and we've talked about Chris Dunn I've hammered home that I'm really not that high in him he was one for nine yesterday just more problems and something I found really interesting about yesterday's game uh, against the Bucks during while he struggled I mentioned this on Twitter that Stacey King was they were there was a point during the game when Stacey and Neil were talking about like the Bulls young core Looking forward, he did. Stacey King did not mention Chris Dunn. Like he mentioned Lowry, mentioned Levine, mentioned Wendell, mentioned Chandler Hudson, met, mentioned Otto Porter. Did not mention Chris Dunn. Uh, John Paxson ha, has not really has not given really his stamp of approval on Chris Dunn. And I just think it's blatantly clear that they need to make a major upgrade in terms of like their primary ball handler there because like we we saw Levine do a bit. We've we've seen him do some playmaking, but in terms of like being like your primary initiator who can really effectively set up everybody on a full-term basis a full-time basis i'm not sure he's that guy because i just don't know if his decision making is that good but i feel like it's totally clear that just done is not that guy again just did not get to the free throw line again four out of five games this month no free throws uh he was one of nine from the field more there was a play yesterday where stacy called done out for turning down a wide open three-pointer uh and dribbling into a mid-range shot which was the only shot he actually made which is kind of funny but stacy was like Dude, you got to take these shots. Because like Lowry drew, like drew in like two or three defenders in transition, found Dunn for a wide open three, and he didn't take it. Like that's just the kind of stuff that can't happen. And 
and it's happening over and over again. I feel like it's just clear that while he's not a bad player, he's he had some decent games, and the offense has been running better lately. Just like in terms of the Bulls taking it to the next level and being a good offense against actual defenses that are trying and that are locked in, like they're just going to need that that big upgrade there in terms of a primary initiator, and that and that will help everybody. That'll help Lowry. That'll help Zach take a little more of a backseat. That'll help Wendell. And they'll help Otto Porter Jr. as well. So that's definitely something we're going to have to see moving forward. If it's not done, it's going to have to be somebody else. And you mentioned in terms of they might throw money at a point guard in free agency. We could probably talk about that a little later. But definitely something. Yeah, it seems first. like the Chris Dunn era already is on life support. Uh, but I do wonder, I do worry about that a little bit because he's not going to be super expensive next year. He does get a little bit better each year. He'll be 25 next season. Uh, he does have some obvious, you know, strengths, I think, especially on ball defense. He is a bit of a gambler, uh, which Boylan yes, yes. went on this big rant about how they don't like steals because steals happen when you're like reacting outside <laughs> yeah. of your scheme. He wants to play a conservative scheme and have guys play tight man defense as opposed to, you know, getting out in the passing lane and trying to play steals. But lately for Dunn, I just feel like every time he has the ball in his hands, he's either going to dribble it off his foot or like throw a terrible pass or brick a wide open jumper. Uh, it's kind of funny. He said after the Bucks game when he shot one for nine, he was like, you know, I'm getting to my spots, but I just got to hit the shots. Well, no shit you're getting to your spots because your spots are the least efficient spots on the entire floor. Like opposing defenses are going to be happy to yield 18 foot jump shots to you, Chris Dunn. Uh, even though he did hit those shots at an, you know, an above average clip last year, uh, it's just not it's not what the Bulls need to to jumpstart this offense. So, you know, I do think that given everything Paxson has said publicly, uh, you know, just given the way the team in general seems to think about Dunn, I think they're going to move on from him. I wouldn't be totally shocked if Dunn, you know, had a career year next year and maybe made the Bulls look like they were a little bit impatient. But at the same time, it's like, do you see the ceiling for Chris Dunn? To be, uh, you know, a really good primary creator on like a strong playoff team, I don't. So if that's the case, it's probably best to move on from him. But, uh, you know, for all the talk of point guard being the strongest position in the NBA, there's still a lot of teams that could use great point guards. You look at what's going on in Phoenix right now. Obviously, they need a point guard. That's going to be another team that's in the mix for John Morant at the top of the draft if the Bulls don't end up with him. Uh, you know, the Knicks still have nothing at point guard. Uh, you know, Dennis Smith is a good looking young player to an extent, but I still think that that's, you know, a position that they're going to need to focus on. Obviously Orlando needs a point guard. So yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're banking on fault. They're taking a gamble on faults, but besides, I mean, they can't rely on that. And they're they, the Orlando has been rolling out DJ Augustine, who actually has been pretty good this year, like relatively just like for his, like he's been pretty solid for him. And then like Jaron Grant was their backup. Like that's that's real rough. Like the Bulls have a bad point guard situation. Like DJ Augustine and Jaron Grant is also real. real yeah, so bad. I think like Dunn is definitely the young piece who they are most willing to give up on right now. I mean, I think that's just like clear as day at the moment. Yeah, Zach Lowe even set, reported in his post deadline piece that Dunn was basically available. That like for the, if anyone wanted him, the Bulls would have been willing to work out a deal there. And yeah, I, I don't know if he's definitely going to be gone. Like, I think we talked about this last time. We're like, I'd be fine with Dunn back next season. Just, but like, I just don't think that they can like bank on him being their guy in the future. Like they definitely need to make an upgrade, whether it's John Morant, whether it's signing a veteran point guard, whether it's adding both. Like, I guess if they added both, they probably would trade Dunn for help somewhere else. But like I said, I wouldn't be opposed. I'm like, I'm not totally giving up on him. I'm not, uh, I don't think he has to be gone, but I think it's pretty clear that they probably. Need uh, to Jason, did you watch the Bobby Portis Jabari Parker revenge game, and <laughs> what'd you make of all that? I was I was actually I was at a bowling alley doing some bowling, drinking a little bit, but the game was on, so I did have one eye on the bowling and my beers, and another eye on the game. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was entertaining, like, ridiculously high scoring. There was no defense being played, like you mentioned earlier. Jabari Parker clearly out to destroy rims, destroy the Bulls. He dunked on Lowry. He had like six or seven dunks. I know Bobby did not play quite as well. He was probably a bit too amped up. Because besides, I, I think he's played, Bobby's played like three games now with the Wizards. He had like 30 in the first game. I think he had a he had like six threes uh, in their last game. Not as good against 
the Bulls, but he still had some big buckets. I think he had had some buckets to help close the Bulls out. It was just kind of funny to see both those guys kind of taking it to him and obviously enjoying it in the process. I know Jabari threw a bit, threw a little shade at Boylan as well, which it kind of made me like, I mean, sure, like uh, some Boylan shade I'll, I could never really turn down, but also like Jabari, dude, you got paid $20 million this year and you came into camp out of shape. So it's like, I don't even know who to side with here, but it was entertaining and also entertaining that they, that they both, that they got a, uh, the video tribute, which the video tributes I feel like are given to just about anybody these days. Do you think that the Bulls would have given Jabari a video tribute if he was on a different team and it wasn't him? I and don't know. Portis maybe because he's from Chicago. That's what I thought. Maybe like there's obviously no reason to besides that. He played half a season. He was benched. He was bad for most of that time. And then he was benched for like a, a couple of weeks. Like it would have been the weird, most awkward, like tri- video tribute ever. But I don't, yeah, I don't know either. I figured they just did it. They were both there together, so they might as well just give give uh, both of them some love. Since doing one for Portis and then one for, not one for Jabari, it might have been a little might have been a little awkward as is. But yeah, it was it was still definitely an entertaining game to watch. And like I said, Jabari I played say, one of like, the best games of the season. When Portis got traded, it was a bit odd for me to see the way the fan base, the Bulls fans reacted. It's like, do people really feel the same way about Bobby Portis that like I feel about Taj Gibson? Like he was never on a good team. He kind of had this like, I don't want to say fake tough guy, but he, it was like his like machoism was very in your face. And that's not super appealing when you're not playing hard defense. You're not really elevating the value of anyone else around you. It's like, Tough for the sake of being tough or something. Now, I did really enjoy his Twitter rant. Like, you saw Jeff Mangerton tweet, Otto Porter made his first three field goal attempts as a bowl, and Bobby Portis quote tweets it and says, oh, yeah. I mean, my first six is a wizard, LOL. So I thought that Portis, like, coming at the Bulls on social media was was really funny. He did. He was asked about that after the game against the Bulls, and he said he was just having fun, that he has nothing but respect for the organization. So I don't think there was any, like – too much ill will there other than Bobby Portis just trying to hype himself up as he always does. Uh, My favorite moment of this though came from when they asked Boylan about Portis, Cody Westerland tweeted this out. He said, Jim Boylan says Bobby Portis will, will quote, become a wizard with all of his heart. So that's all I can really hope for out of Bobby Portis that he becomes a (laughs) wizard with all of his heart and can find some joy there because it wasn't happening in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, and he, Portis obviously took took the trade just really hard. He was always Mr. Bulls across the chest and all that kind of stuff. And the fact that he got traded like right before a game like was pretty wild. So I mean, I I I was never the biggest fan of Bobby Portis. He's some of his goofy like flexing and all that like getting getting wild while the while the Bulls were like losing or in the midst of a terrible season last year. Like sometimes it's a bit over the top. But I mean, the guy seems like a really good guy. He's a solid player. Like. I'm not gonna. I'm not definitely not gonna hate on Bobby Portis. So was. I'll, I'll be paying attention to his career with the Wizards, whether it's with the Wizards or uh, or elsewhere. Uh, we're halfway through, Jason. We should do some ad reads. Let's do it. Let's a word from our sponsors, and then we'll uh, we will take some questions from some of our fans. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. I always love a good shave. Please go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, sounds great, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 and it's shipped right to your door. Enough of these cheap razors, so it's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Sounds about right. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, please let them know, and they will give you a full refund. That's pretty pretty nice of them. So again, make sure you go to harrys.com. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for only $3. Ricky, take it away. Life can be stressful, Jason, especially when you're a Bulls fan. Yeah. Getting life insurance shouldn't be. 
That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, Jason, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. In most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee per day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S GetEthos.com GetEthos.com, Jason And now, back to some Chicago Bulls talk And like I said, we are going to take some questions From some of our wonderful fans on Twitter uh, I'm just going to kind of roll here I liked a bunch of them We got a pretty good, pretty solid response here I'm just going to kind of roll I don't think we really have, need much of a uh, th- uh, Outline here So I'm just going to go with the first one I got Right when we this morning, uh, first question from Alan K at Alan A. Kleinerman. Now that the Bulls have uh, traded for Otto Porter, taken up that max cap space, they don't have any more. What do you think is the best case for agency play for the Bulls? Uh, he has one scenario with Zion and one without. Do you think they go after point guards, which you kind of mentioned earlier? Do you think a guy like Eric Bledsoe would make some sense? What do you think about free agency now that the Bulls have around about it's about nineteen twenty million in cap space? Yeah, I think one guy who might be decent to look at is Jake Lehman. Like to me, if you're signing a free agent, you want guys who are about to be hitting their prime, uh, especially with this team more so than like overpaying some big names. So Jake Lehman has turned into a pretty damn good player for the Trailblazers this year. Uh, it seems like all he does is catch lobs and hit threes. So he's someone who could probably he's probably mostly suited for the four in this era but he can also play some three i think he'd give the bulls some lineup versatility uh obviously portland's got a lot of big contracts out there already committed to role players like evan turner myers leonard uh mo harkless makes some money so i'm not sure exactly when all of those contracts run out but uh, you know, if you give Layman a decent offer sheet, I think it could be hard for them to keep him. Uh, and that would be someone I would look at in the offseason. Also, if you're thinking of another name, I believe Jeremy Lamb is an unrestricted free agent, yes, too. I was thinking of him. He's having a pretty good year for Charlotte. He's someone who could give you minutes at the two, provide a little more defensive stability uh, ahead of or, you know, alongside Zach Levine. Uh, Reggie Bullock, who just got traded as well, he's an unrestricted free agent this summer. I think he would be a pretty good spot up three and D guy. Uh, so, you know, th- those are the type of names I'd be looking for. And if you're looking for a bench big, Jason, how about Taj Gibson or Joe Kim Noah? Joe Kim Noah just had a huge game for the Grizzlies. I never thought we would see this type of stat line out of Joe Kim Noah again in his career, but he just popped off for 19 points and 14 rebounds uh, in a game against the Pelicans for the Grizzlies a couple nights ago. I don't think Noah really has much left in the tank. Gibson has a little bit more left in the tank, but I would definitely – take either of those guys. And especially if there was any way to get Felicio's contract out of here, uh, that would just be so much more enjoyable. I also wonder if they're going to look at bringing back Rolo. Because like, it doesn't seem like they want to buy him out because Paxson apparently hates the buyout process. And like, he's been playing really well lately. Like maybe they'd try to bring him back for cheap as their bench big. I'm not, I'm not a snatcher because clearly I feel like, like I said, they got about 19, 20 million. I feel like it would probably be better to split that up among a few players rather yeah. than, throwing a lot of money at maybe like a second tier point guard. I mean, they could try, like I said, Eric Bledsoe, they could throw him a lot of money. They could throw money at, I guess Ruby, Ruby. I think you mentioned Rubio is a free agent, but like, I feel like I'd rather just kind of split that between like a point guard and then either a, they need a backup big. So they'll have, they'll have that cap space. Plus they'll have like the room, except the room exception was, I'm not sure how much that's going to be this summer, but I think that's something like four or 5 million. And then they'll obviously have minimum contracts. I feel like I'd just rather probably add up the depth there and then, Maybe I mean, and and see and see where that goes. Like depending on where they, depending on who they draft, I'd, instead of overpaying somebody who uh, like a second or third tier player. Yeah, I mean Patrick Beverly's a free agent. Clarence Ross is a free agent. Alfred Payton's a free agent. 
so, I mean, there's some, definitely some buy low guys they could go after who, you know, are a cup below the known names like Rubio or Bledsoe. I'm going to throw one more name out at you. What do you think of Malcolm Brogdon? Uh, now, that would probably take a pretty big offer sheet to get him. He is a restricted free agent. The Bucks have to pay a lot of people this summer if they want to keep this team together. But, uh, you know, Brogdon... He's solid. He's, he can shoot. Like, I'm not sure about his like actual creation. I think I just saw Kevin Farragut actually tweet about this. Uh, just like... And if, just as like an off-ball, I guess, three-point shooter who can do a little bit. I, th- I feel like that does kind of make sense because I feel like... They either need a guy who can just really dominate the ball and like really take like a really dynamic player who can really score and like pass, or they just need an off an off ball threat three point shooter. Like Chris Dunn is neither of those. So I, I guess Brogdon will probably fit into that kind of role. Like maybe it's not as ideal as like a, a dynamic as you would really like, but like I feel like if the price was right, sure, make it work. Like I, I feel like one of the one of those Bucks guys might be had for the taking. Because I don't know if they're going to commit big money to both Bloodsoe and Brogdon, even though they obviously play both of them pretty big minutes. So that'll be, that would be at least an intriguing thing to go player to go after. Let's see, moving, let's move on to the next one. I think th- this one will be interesting for you uh, from at Greek bulls fan. Uh, he says he would trade Zion Williamson for De'Aaron Fox, which I think sounds absolutely crazy. As good as De'Aaron Fox is. He says he, he knows he underestimates Zion some, uh, but he, he loves De'Aaron Fox thinks he'd be the bulls punker of the future. But so then his actual question is, which guys would you trade Zion for? And like, I guess just like, would you trade if, if the Bulls got the number one pick, who would you be willing to trade that for? Probably Giannis. And then after that, I don't really know, man. Like, would you trade for, try putting together that offer for Anthony Davis? No. I guess this is like, you worry about him leaving? Like, Especially given where the Bulls are at right now. Uh, given where Davis is at in his career, I'd rather have Zion. I think Zion is going to be like the face of the entire league. And I think that he's only getting better rapidly. And just like the demeanor with which he plays, his impact defensively is so big. Uh, He sort of views himself not, he doesn't have like this big ego that you would expect someone in his position to have. So I think Giannis is, or I think that Zion is just tremendous. And like I tweeted recently that I think Zion's a better prospect than Luka Doncic. And I had Luca as number one in all my mock drafts all the way up uh, through the draft while covering that for SB Nation. So I like literally wouldn't trade anyone for Zion. That's how high I am on Zion. I could end up looking like a total idiot. Uh, but I mean, Giannis is one guy I would probably trade for him. Hey, man, go in. Make make that play. Yeah, I mean, from what I – I really can't answer this as well as you. But from what I've seen of Zion, I mean, he's just absolutely ridiculous. Like that block he had this last weekend where he went from – under the basket and blocked a three point shooter in like a second. I mean, there's just, he's the guy's an absolute freak. And if he gets like any type of shooting game, like, I, I, like I said, I already is shooting. He's already made huge. He has been sh- yeah. He hasn't been shooting better for sure. From what I've seen. I'm bringing the three in every game now, basically. He's yeah. I mean, the guy's a shooter. just like watch again, I watching Giannis last night, just like completely dominate on both ends. Like Zion's obviously a bit different in terms of just like his body type, but just like, fact that he can the athleticism the like the dribbling the skill set at that kind of size like i feel like it, you could kind of think i want i don't want to compare it to Giannis, but just the, the ability to take over a game like that just completely dominate both ends of the floor you give him the ball and you get out the way and just like a freight train running at you like just so strong like it's it's zion yeah zion looks amazing just clearly better than anybody in this draft and i would definitely have a hard time trading for any other anything else than a proven legitimate superstar who's probably like under contract for several years. Hey, I said yeah. that uh, Zion is Giannis with strength instead of length. I was getting marked ruthlessly on college basketball Twitter for saying that, but there you go. I'll stick with it. All right, uh, moving on from our friend Stefan. No, if you swapped Mike Budenholzer and Jim Boylan, how many games would the Bulls and Bucks win respectively? Oh my God, Stefan is way too good at this. That's just a great question. Uh, so, how many games did the Bucks win? Last. They won like 44. I mean, they've been around like low 40s the last couple. Like, I feel like they've been such like a disappointment. Like, we've been waiting the last few years for them to break out. And now they're finally, they have like 42 wins and they're yeah, on they're pace 40 for 16. And 14. They're 42 yeah. and 14 right now. I think that they would probably be the fifth or sixth seed in the East with Jim Boylan. Uh, you know, the Nets are 29 and 29. They're the sixth seed. It's like the way that Budenholzer coaches that team. Is it really looks like they're playing 2K out there? I mean, 
Giannis, he's basically just holding down turbo and up and running toward yeah. the basket and dunking every single time. The floor is spaced so pristinely. Signing Brooke Lopez for $3 million probably goes down as one of the great bargain free agent signings, uh, maybe of the decade in the NBA. He's been that good for them, remaking himself into a stretch five. So everything about the Bucks, I feel like, happens because Budenholzer just knows how to leverage their talent. Uh, on both ends of the floor to maximize everything they got. So it's an interesting question too, because it really puts the microscope on like, what is the value of coaching in the NBA, which has been debated for a long time. I remember when Bill Simmons wrote the book of basketball, there was an entire chapter on how coaching doesn't really matter. We always view basketball as like, well, if you have the best player, the best player is always going to win to an extent. I think that is sometimes true, but uh, you know, basketball is not that complicated of a game. It's a pretty simple game, all things considered. You still need to put your best lineup combinations out there. You need to come up with ways uh, to get your guys playing to your strengths. Boylan definitely hasn't done that, and Budenholzer has to basically a historic level so far this year for the Bucks. So I'd say with Budenholzer, where are the Bulls? Uh, I don't think they're fighting for the eight seed, especially given no. their injuries. I mean, the Pistons are 26 and 29. They're the eight seed right now. Obviously, that's not... Uh, super inspiring out of them. But I do think the Bulls would be significantly better. They definitely wouldn't be in the Zion race. And we'd be looking at a team that's, you know, at least in the mix for the eight seed, sort of where the Magic are right now with 25 wins. Yeah, maybe maybe low 20 wins, low 20s, maybe. it was The injuries, especially at the beginning of the year, like as good as a coach's butt is, like the team that the Bulls are throwing out there with Hoiberg, which was like Levine and Jabari's and like Wendell is their best. Like that, that, that's just a hard team to win with. So like they were going to start the year pretty poorly, probably no matter what. And then, but then compared to the boiling era, I don't, I, they probably, you would hope they'd be better than, I think they're now eight and 25 under boiling. Like you would hope that they would at least have maybe like four or five more wins there. So I would, I would probably peg them at around like 20, 20 ish. Right. Yeah. Makes about sense. Yeah. We're moving on. Let's uh, probably let's try to go like rapid fire for some of these. Uh, from at Seanene11, can you win a championship with Zach Levine as anything more than your sixth man? I will quickly say I think so as long as you have the right players around him. Yeah, I mean, win a championship is pretty tough. To me, Levine's probably got to be your fourth best player, uh, which would pigeonhole him in a little bit more of like a scorer's role and not ask him to freelance too much outside of that. But, you know, you look at it, he already might be, he's already the Bulls' third best long-term prospect behind Markkinen and Carter, I think, because I'm really high on Carter. So, uh, you know, add one more guy, hopefully, in this draft, and, you know, you could create a scenario where Levine is your fourth best player. I'm not totally out on Levine in general, but, man, like, his mental lapses defensively, everyone knows about him, but... They, like, pop up every single time you watch a game. Like, I just tweeted out a video of him getting backdoor cut badly by Bledsoe. He also failed to rotate on a corner three by, I believe, Bledsoe late in that Bucks game that helped ice it uh, for Milwaukee. It's like, dude, just, like, just focus a little bit, Zach. Just focus because it's not effort. It's not talent. A lot of his defensive shortcomings come from focus, and – you know, yeah. maybe if he was asked to freelance a little bit less offensively, it would help him out there. I agree. From Steven Taylor at Torch02, would you want? Would you uh, like Luke Walton if he gets thrown out of town by the Lakers? Yeah, I think Walton would be good because, what, he's got some experience developing young players at this point, working with L.A. Uh, he has the Lakers playing super fast. I think they're fourth in pace this year. They haven't been taking a lot of three-pointers uh, in terms of their attempts per game, but they're just a brutal shooting team in general. I mean, the Lakers, they're shooting as a team like 68% on foul shots this year. They're not a good three-point shooting team. Uh, but I think, you know, in general, you want a young coach who can begin to develop your guys and to have them play to their strengths offensively. So I, I'd take Walton. I think that that would be a solid hire. Yeah, I know some Lakers fans aren't happy with him. I, I know he does have some rotation issues as well. I was watching the Sixers game the other day, and he had a lineup out there in like a close game in the third quarter without LeBron, without Kuzma, without Ingram, and things just went belly up. I know I have a Lakers fan friend who complains about Walton, but I feel like I, I think it would be an upgrade. And like you said, working with the young guys, they seem to like him. It's like coaching – anyone, when you get thrown into the LeBron thing, when you have LeBron and, and a young team and like some other weird-fitting parts like – Luke Walton might not be perfect, but he's in a tough spot. So I, I wouldn't hate Luke Walton either. Here's an interesting one. If the lottery goes side, this is from William Martin at W underscore M 
uh, underscore Martin, if the lottery goes sideways and the Bulls somehow end up outside the top three or four, would you still just take like, whatever best player available? Seems like a lot of guys are in that area. Or would you try to trade back and maybe try to get another asset, another pick or two? Uh, I mean, if someone would offer you a good package to trade back, I think that I would be down with that. Uh, to me, even after Zion, like two through eight is so fluid in this draft. And, you know, there's definitely going to end up being good players like you know, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Kevin Porter Jr., who's a guard for USC, who's barely been playing for them because he's had some injury issues, he was a team suspension. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being one of the better players in this draft class. And right now, he might not even be a lottery pick. Look at Grant Williams from Tennessee, PJ Washington from Kentucky, two guys who are playing big man roles at the college level. If they can transition to more of, you know, a wing style in the NBA, I think that they could be really good. So, uh, I, I would do that trade. If they could trade back, pick up another pick. It's like, because the Bulls, they don't really understand the way the league works now where everything is so fluid in terms of assets. It's like, I would be looking to wheel and deal all the time. And the Bulls never make trades like that. But if you, you know, if you're, if you get even the third or fourth pick and, you know, you're not in love with one of these guys, if you're staring at Romeo Langford and you just don't think that, you know, that's someone who's going to elevate the rebuild. I would totally trade back a few spots if you can pick up an extra first rounder. Yeah, just the way that you've talked about this draft and just the way that the talent seems like so evenly like spread after once you get past like those top three guys, you guys, that sounds about right to me. Uh, a few more here before we got to wrap up. Here, for, This is Donnie Seals at D Seals. The Bulls front office has shown a pretty good ability to draft. However, their ability to recognize talent, whether it's players or coaches, develop and construct a roster is severely lacking. Do you think lottery picks can reach their full potential on this team, given the current system, organization, whatever that is in place? Uh, that's a big picture question. I mean, like maybe if they get someone like Zion, I think that it would just change the whole outlook of everything and that everything would suddenly fall into place. But if they don't, if they get someone like John Morant, even if he's the second pick in the draft, and it's going to you know, take – a lot more infrastructure to develop him, to turn him into a winner. Someone who's playing in the Ohio Valley right now, as talented as he may be. He's so skinny. He's 175 pounds. I mean, that's just going to be a steep learning curve for John Morant. Uh, And it will require the type of infrastructure the Bulls have yet to show so far. They definitely need a better coach. That's the first step. I think that, you know, Paxton and Foreman both should have lost their jobs a long time ago. But as long as they're, they're in place uh, you know, it's going to be the same shit we've seen from the Bulls for the last 15 years in terms of how they run this organization. So can the lottery picks develop? I mean, talent always wins out. If you have talent that shines bright enough, it can happen. But the Bulls certainly are not, you know, gaining any edges in terms of the way they run their organization. Yeah, they certainly could do better in terms of maximizing the talent. This isn't really going to be a question, but I think it's kind of funny because I was actually tweeting about this yesterday uh, from Eric Scalaro. He mentioned this at Tuft Skirfuffle. Why the hell did the Bulls never pick any of Fred's ISU players, and especially Monty Morris? I was tweeting about Monty Morris last night because I feel like there was a lot of jokes about him, the Bulls taking him because of Ames Mafia in 2017 when they sold their number 38 pick. He went, I believe, like 50th or 51st, and he's been killing it with the Nuggets. He's having an incredible season. Uh, he would be probably the Bulls' best point guard right now on the roster. So it's, I, I was just kind of amused by this comment just because I was talking about Monty Morris last night. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a shame that they uh they didn't take a chance on him, even though they, they, we would have probably given him nothing but nothing but scorn and jokes because for taking an ISU player. Yeah, totally. Monte Morris is killing it this year. He's shooting fifty percent from the field and forty four percent from three at the college level. He was a guy who twice broke the NCAA record for assist to turnover ratio, and that's translated too. He never turns the ball over. 0.6 per game so far for the Nuggets this year. He's also you know just a good consummate floor general. So Monte Morris would have been awesome, and it's a huge indictment on the Bulls' scouting ability that this was a guy playing for the program where they apparently have so many connections and they still didn't even look at him. And yeah, they, they didn't have anybody on their board at 38. Right uh, up, yep. uh, last few here, I feel we could probably kind of combine a few of these, talking about some of the lesser players on the team uh, from Frodo at Frodo TL. It says, of all the non-core Bulls, who do you think has the longest future slash best future with the team? Like Ryan Archie Wayne Selden, Hutchison. I guess I'm trying to think of who else would even, I guess TLC we could throw in there. Uh, 
also, we had another question from uh, at Rock D's blog asking if the Bulls will keep Wayne Selden. And one last one from Lowry Markin's burner. I know he's always talking to, talking to us on Twitter, and he's, he's a good, Bull, good Bulls fan who's always, uh, talk, like I said, talking to us. He asked us about uh, Arch Giacono. It seemed like he played better under Fred. What do you th- why do you think he's kind of gone back to being not that good? So I guess just questions about like Arch Giacono's future, Wayne Selden's future, do you have faith in Hutch, TLC, those kind of guys? Do you think those guys can be decent long-term pieces, or do you think they're just kind of, they're just kind of there? I like Selden. I'd bring him back for sure. He's been shooting the hell out of the ball. He has been. Through the Bulls, uh, 54% from three in February so far. Obviously, he had four or six against the Heat uh, in one of his first games here, but he's continued that hot shooting, so... I would keep Selden. I lo- I lo- I've always liked Wayne Selden's game dating back to his days of Kansas, so I would choose him. I'll throw it to you for Archie Diakono. What do you see out of him right now, and do you think that he's someone who's going to be around for you know more than next season? I don't know. I mean, the guy plays hard. I know like the advanced stats really like him. He's a solid enough shot. I feel like it just said at this point, I, he's probably just naturally just kind of regressing after a really nice start. Like as like hard as he plays and as like solid and as smart of a player as he's just the talent just isn't quite there. So I feel like it's kind of a natural regression. I feel like he's, he's a nice guy to have as a third point guard. Like, I don't know if he, if the Bulls really look to upgrade a point guard. Like, I don't know if there will be a spot for him. Like I certainly don't hate him. I think he's at least, a, at least he's proven he's an NBA player and he belongs even at the end of a bench. Like I, I do not want to play him big minutes. Like you don't want to trust him with big minutes on an actual good team. I honestly have no idea if he'll be around that long, but at least, at least good for him that he's really kind of at least made his mark in the league and shown that he's a guy who'll play hard play smart for you and uh, hit, hit some open threes when, when given the opportunity. And do, what have you, what, and I guess, what do you think? Have you liked anything from TLC? I feel like he's active, but he just like, isn't that good. Like he, he tries hard. He's aggressive, but just not good. Is that what you've seen? I want to, I want to believe, but it's kind of stupid too at this point. But I mean, if they could bring him back on a super cheap contract next year for, you know, the minimum, I would do that. I think, uh, and I think, the, I think the, the most they can offer him, I think it's something like 2.5 million because of, because his qualifying or his, uh, team option fourth year team option was declined. Yeah. So like, whatever it would be cheap anyways. And like I said, I don't think anyone's rushing to the rushing to pay TLC anything more than the minimum at this point. Yeah. But I wouldn't totally write him off yet. Uh, but I don't know. Like he's gonna have to stop just showing like flashes here and there and actually yeah. start having a positive impact on games, which he has yet to do at the NBA level. For sure. All right. Final definitely final question right here. This is from uh Rob Niski, Wisco.rob. What will the Bulls' new identity be once everything settles TF down? Once it settles the fuck down. What do you think is ultimately gonna be like when they're actually good? What do you think the identity of this team will be, should be, whatever? I think they're so far away from being good that we can't answer that in earnest yet. Like, a lot of it's going to depend who they walk away with in this draft. Uh, Right now, they kind of have the makings of a team that could go either way in terms of being an offense-first team or a defense-first team. Uh, So, I don't know. It's tough to answer that question. It feels like, to me, the Bulls are still so far away. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Obviously, they're 13-44. and They, They haven't really shown that they can really do anything very well yet. Like you asked like the office space guys, what would you say you do here? The Bulls really haven't shown that they, they can really hang their head on anything. They've shown some better things offensively lately. Can they do that against really good team against good defenses, good teams? I don't know. Like there's still definitely is just a long way to go where they can prove that they're, they can consistently hang their head on something. They can go to it when they really need buckets. Like, and then they know they can do it. And, and especially on the other end as well. Like they, they've never shown that they can consistently stop teams and play good defense. So, and there's just a lot of move. There's probably gonna be a lot of moving parts. There's gonna be. We'll see if they get a new coach and a new culture comes in there via via coach. We'll see. Like you mentioned, we'll see what they do in the draft. We'll see what kind of players they add in free agency. There's just a lot that still has to change. A lot that has to be has to be settled first before I think this team can really establish an actual identity and take a take a big step forward. But I I don't think it's totally out of the question that that could happen as soon as next season. Like there are some things in place here, but they definitely. A lot still has to come together, and a lot has to go right for that to happen. I totally agree. Uh, I think that's going to be all for us today. Thank you, everybody, for all your questions. We'll have to do this again, especially as the season goes on, and we try to we desperately try to find stuff to talk about with uh, as uh, we go into this final part final part of the season after the All Star break. The Bulls do have 
Uh, one more game on Wednesday night against the Grizzlies at home. That's a very winnable game. The Grizzlies just traded Marcus Gasol. They've been kind of they've been slumping for a while now. Uh, so that is a game the Bulls could win going in the also break. And then they don't play again, I think, until like the Friday after this weekend. So there's going to be a long time off without Bulls basketball. So I guess just enjoy All-Star Weekend, uh, all that stuff. Go, Please go listen to other – if you're interested in listening to other podcasts, please go listen to other podcasts around the Blue Wire Network. we got a ton of them, ton of good ones out there. We've talked about the Lakers – Lakers ones, Laker Film Room, the New Pelicans ones, in the know. We just added a Bucks podcast. The Bulls played the Bucks. Uh, we just added a Bucks pod bu- podcast called Eurostep, which I love as a Greek guy. The Euro, I'm a big fan of Euros, and obviously Giannis is awesome. So that should be really good. We got good Warriors pods. We got good uh, Cavs pods. So a lot of great podcasts around the Blue Wire Network. So please do give those a listen, especially during this All Star break when there's not as much going on. Please do that. So Ricky. Uh, I guess we'll probably talk again soon, probably after after all after the All Star Weekend. Maybe we'll we'll talk about what kind of ha- what happens there if there's anything fun fun that happens. Even though are the Bulls do the Bulls have anybody there? They have probably have what Lowry in the Rising Stars game. Is there anybody else from the Bulls taking part in All Star Weekend? I'm not totally sure. Yeah, I, I've like just like hasn't even really like crossed my mind because the Bulls have been so bad. Uh, I'm pretty sure Lowry's there, uh, but besides that, I think it's nobody. But uh, yeah, besides that, everybody enjoy the All Star. All-Star Weekend, and we will talk to you guys next week. This has been Cash Considerations from Jason. I'm here. Take it easy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.